Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast. A member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 48, featuring the top five chill-inducing moments. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks Podcast. And this week, we're going deep into our long list for a topic that we've been targeting for a while. Whether you call them goosebumps, or cold shivers, or the heebie-jeebies... This week, we're picking those chill-inducing moments that make the hair on your arm stand up on end. It's our top five chill-inducing moments. And joining me for tonight's show, in the room, is one of our Trek Ranks regulars, one of the coolest Trekkies I know, Mr. Adam Drozen. Adam, welcome back to the show, buddy. Hey, that's me. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me back. Good to have you back. Adam's been on for our top five food moments, which was the originator of the famous soup round here on Trek Ranks. Soup alert. Soup alert. And we did our divas, top five divas. And and he was on our Mount Rushmore episode as well. So check all those episodes out. All right, let's jump into our quick Trek Ranks recalibration, which begins with general order number one here at Trek Ranks. And that is that we love Trek and we love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. Because our favorite thing to do here is to talk about Star Trek. And that's why this podcast exists. But what is that book and motto? Um, infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. Hmm. <laughs> and what is diversity? But a celebration of differences. And as Topol and Dr. Flox just said, the Trek Ranks podcast is basically just a big old celebration of differences. There are no wrong answers here at Trek Ranks. Our show is all about the reasons we love Star Trek, so hopefully when you listen, you'll have some fun with it and maybe think about a few episodes or ideas that you haven't thought about for a while. We love it all, from TOS to TNG, straight through the Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline, and of course, Discovery as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black alert. Black alert. And a quick reminder that Discovery Season 1 spoilers are potentially in play tonight. And one more reminder that we use the term episodes as just a quick shorthand phrase, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Open hailing frequencies. Hailing frequencies open on viewer. And if you would like to contact Trek Ranks, the best way to do that is to find us on Twitter, at Trek Ranks, or me directly, at Enterprise Extra. And you can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. At 609-512-5527. Consider any voicemail message you leave us an audition to be on the show. We'd, lo- we'd love to hear from you. All right, Adam, to wrap it up, let everyone know how they can get a hold of you. Twitter, Instagram, A-D-A-M-D-R-O-S-I-N. That's my first name, followed by my last name. Just remember, you can't spell Drosen without sin. Alright, this week we're jumping straight into our Prime Directive to talk about how we both defined a chill-inducing moment and to relay one of our non-Trek chill-inducing moments just to kind of set the tone for our pick. So, let's get into our Prime Directives now. I do not concur with your captain's decision. She's following our Prime Directive. Define Prime Directive. So, Adam, all right, tell everyone how you defined your chill-inducing moment 
and give us a non-Trek moment that uh, will help us get ready for your picks. I like a moment in a movie or a TV show where just gets you emotionally raw for all, just like a jolt, you know? Just like, it's not like I feel like I'm about to cry, but I feel like, oh, like a minute ago, crying wasn't on the table, but now, like, anything could happen. I just love a moment where it just feels really earned that it just gets you emotionally open in a way. Uh, I think watching, I think a lot of uh, Star Trek fans, a lot of people who listen to this show can appreciate the idea that I think watching Star Trek has made me more of uh, an empath- empathetic person. Uh, and uh, I think Counselor Troy would appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I, so most of my goosebump and chills are... Just uh, moments that are just emotionally charged. But there's also, I think, and connected to that in a way, there are those Star Trek moments where you just see the world and the possibilities of the universe open up and uh, the possibilities of a larger universe beyond even what's been explored and being presented at the moment. Just the the the, the potential of Star Trek uh, uh, unfurling before you, I think, is chill-inducing, and a couple of my picks uh, represent that. Okay, I love this. Now, I had a similar outlook, although I gotta admit, I tried to stay away from super sentimental or like tear inducing moments. Yes. I was not successful. My list does include some of those. Okay. But I tried to think of something that was more like a thrill for me. So, something that gave me a thrill that was unexpected and my hair on my arm stood up. So, whether it was like connecting back to. You know, some big storyline that you'd seen previously in Trek or just was like a big game changer. That's kind of where I ended up. And I'll, and I'll give you my example of a non-Trek moment that fits that. Because it's not a tear-inducing one or uh, it's not something that is going to move you to tears. But for me, it's like this huge moment for me in the history of cinema. Like a game-changing moment. And everyone's tried to kind of emulate that feeling in movies since then for the last 20 years. And it is the sixth sense. And it is this reveal when at the end of the movie, you realize, oh my God, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. And you're thinking he hasn't changed his clothes and I didn't notice. And he's only been interacting with little Haley Joel Osment. So I love that moment. For me, that that just was a huge chill inducing moment for me. And I tried to kind of think in those terms, but I've got quite a few uh, tear-inducing moments as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I feel like my list, as I started to develop it, like, it was, you'll see, like, patterns in what I left off and what made it, and I think it's uh, pretty clear of where my head was at with this. But also, I'd say my uh, non-Trek chill-inducing moments, a little more obscure, but I figure if any platform to get people to watch a very obscure movie, this is it. It's... uh, from 1975 by the great German director Reiner Werner Fassbender, uh, Fox and His Friends. Not to be confused <laughs> with the piece of sh- propaganda morning show Fox and Friends. This is called Fox and His Friends, which is not the direct German translation of the real title, which I won't attempt to pronounce, but uh, which is something weird. It's like the fist fight of freedom, which I, I can understand why they didn't make it that. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it sounds better in German, makes more sense. But okay, so I love this. Guy. I have no idea. What it's a be- it's an unbelievable film, and it's just so it just gets me at that point where like 
Oh, boy, like, it, it, it's the main actors played by Reiner Werner Fassbinder, the director. He is a very prolific film director in Germany from the years 1969 up until 1982 when he passed away. Just seek this movie out. It's really interesting. It was just recently restored and reissued on Blu-ray by the, the great Criterion Collection. And uh, I would also suggest, uh, similarly, the, uh, the last shot of the movie Safe, uh, directed by Tom Haynes, starring Julianne Moore, uh, very, you know, obscure 90s movie, but also just so emotionally charged. It gets me in the same sort of like, whoa, like, oof, this is art, uh, you know, uh, acting on your uh, your brain in a really direct way. Okay. I have heard of that director. I couldn't say his name. I've never seen anything he's done. Fosbear. Well, they also, he's also the, uh, uh, they also reference him in Star Trek The Next Generation as the scientist who goes on and on and on, oh, uninterrupted. Right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, uh, Picard pronounces it Fassbinder, which is uh, how a lot of people who are it not German pronounce it. Long, uninterrupted sentence. Yeah. It was quite hypnotic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, let's get into this conversation. Third Robotocon, tell us about the order of things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, each of us will reveal our original Trek ranks. Five words and a hashtag summary to tease our pick. Then we'll reveal our chill-inducing moment and the episode in which it appeared. And in the end, we'll rattle off a few secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list. And as always, if we have any duplicates, you'll know it when you hear the defiant torpedoes. Okay, Adam, what's your number five pick for your top five chill-inducing moments? I can live with it. Hashtag I can live with it. It is Cisco. I also said Jacob Cisco. It is Ben Cisco at the end of In the Pale Moonlight. Fantastic pick. That is a chill-inducing moment. I, what's what's left to be said that hasn't already been said? It's uh, a high watermark of the series, of the franchise, of this remarkable performance, uh, of this remarkable story arc. Uh, it's it really it's it is emotional, and it is like I said, uh, the potential of Star Trek unfurling in front of you. We've never seen a captain talk like this, let alone in this context in this format. To, to facilitate murder and treason in the in the effort of 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 creating peace, like whoa, like this is uncharted territories, and I think it's telling that you know just a few years later we would see on television what I consider to be the crowning achievement of of uh, narrative television, uh, Sopranos, Sopranos, Tony Soprano. This is pure textbooks Tony Soprano stuff. Is just like how to uh, compartmentalize and rationalize and uh, uh, doing heinous things in your mind. And uh, we're, we're getting a front row view of Cisco doing that. And it is goosebump inducing. Damn, that is a good pick. And that's a great analogy. I've never thought of that being very Sopranos. Like. It, it really, really is. It feels like he's, it's a Tony Soprano in therapy, just justifying why oh he God. gets away with murder. Of course. of course it is. Wow. And that one will not bring you to tears, but will make the hair on your arm, uh, the hair on your arm stand up. Amazing. I love that moment. Fantastic pick. All right, let's uh, go to my number five pick. Five words and a hashtag. Trek finally reveals first contact. Hashtag 
Bozeman, Montana. And my chill-inducing moment is the first contact with the Vulcans revealed at the end of Star Trek First Contact. Which, I, people forget this, but up until that point in Trek, we had we didn't know what First Contact was for humans uh, in, the, in the start of the Federation and Starfleet and everything. And I remember watching that in the theaters and just being totally moved, hair standing up on my arms, thinking, wow, it's the Vulcans. And sure, if you had, had never really thought about it before, and some people, I think, just kind of assume it was the Vulcans all the time, but having it actually delivered to us in that way and with that sweeping score from Jerry Goldsmith, just one of my favorite moments uh, in Trek. And like you said, it was a definitely a setup for things to come. And yeah, I got emotional watching that. Iconic moment. Uh, this is uh, definitely secondary systems for me. It's great. Uh, the music is a huge part of it. The way that they're moving the camera very slowly and steadily up into it. It's very nice. And then, of course, it's great. You get the you know the deep cut um, in uh, Enterprise where they where they flip it. I just wish the transfer on the film was better because it looks kind of weird. Like you know, it doesn't look as quality as you know classic uh, First Contact. But uh, anyway, I digress. It is an iconic uh, Goosebumps. But they film. do such a good job with that. They do oh such yeah, a good job with the that. way they thread that dude in with the shotgun, it's perfect. And that it's episode, so that episode might come up again in this ep- in this uh, episode of Trek Ranks. We will see. <laughs> just a little tease. Oh All right, let's go to round four. Adam, what's your number four pick? Five words. Hashtag really snuck in at the last minute. Hashtag scoop that kelp. I'm talking the brightest star. Whoa, we have a discovery short track chill inducing moment. What's the moment? You guys did not see this coming. If anyone didn't see it coming, it was your boy Dros, okay? Uh, let alone the, the most recent... To the point, this point of recording, piece of Star Trek released. Wow, go figure, right? Uh, loved it. Loved this piece of short treks. And I'm not going to lie with you, folks. This is a Trek Ranks exclusive. I am not a ride or die Discovery stand. I am not head over heels for this show. I like it a lot. I know this about you. I like it a lot. You know this about me. I like it a lot. I, you know, uh, I, I don't want to. There's so much negativity online. Not just about Star Trek and about Discovery, but just in general that I don't want to necessarily contribute to that. But, you know, I'll go without saying I don't – I'm not in uh, 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 a, a person without reservations about the first season of this show. Very excited about what the future holds, not only for Discovery, but for the franchise in general. That being said, loved this short Trek's. Really got me good. You know, this was, it came out when I was just starting to think about putting this list together. So I guess I was already in the headspace for it to work on me. But I found it very uh, relatable in uh, he knew he had to leave. And uh, uh, I got chills at two moments in, in the short trek. One, it was uh, when he got the translation and it said today and it showed you him writing out the letters today. Yeah. And I was just like, Ooh, like he doesn't know what that word means. And he, but he, he knows it's something's about to happen. And that was really evocative to me. And then the part that really, really got me, the one that really sort of cemented it on my list at the number four spot, no less was when he was walking with his sister and he said, you want to stay out for a little bit longer 
And, you know, she had seen him talking to his dad before, and she knew where his head was at. And she might not have understood what was happening, but she knew he couldn't stay. And that's why she says, like, here, take this, and, like, just remember, like, you know, there's stuff happening underneath your feet. Like, yep. oh, my God, like, f- unbelievable. Part of my language, you guys. Like, I know there's there's occasional cursing on Trek ranks, but, uh, like, wow. Like, that got me right in the gut, like... She, she didn't understand, like, when she looked up, like, she just knew he couldn't stay. And, like, that just, like, really messed me up. Like, got me good. Yeah, that moment was amazing. It's clear what she was telling you. Like, yes. It's okay for you to leave and take even, care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Even if she couldn't fully understand, yeah. even when the light goes up, the brightest star, whatever you want to call it, yeah. like, she knew. it. Was, and that, ooh, I, I'm just getting a little goosebumpy. Yeah, about my, my chill-inducing moment in that episode was when George uh, gets off the show. I just, that, was, that was cool. Did not see that coming. That was very cool. I loved it. And it was cool that she was like a lieutenant. So, yeah. and, and what was her rank? Uh, lieutenant, I think. Yeah, yeah so like, so do we cool. even know who the captain yeah, is? Lieutenant George. We oh, know. the captain at the, the Shenzhou we at that point. That's cool. Maybe it was Robert April. Oh, know. man. I'm kidding. Okay, and by the way, uh, full disclosure, disclaimer, Trek ranks, we love Star Trek Discovery. So we're going to cut all that stuff out that Droz is saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. It's great. You know, it, listen, Trek, sometimes, Trek, every every incarnation of Trek is not for I, everybody. It's and I Trek. think, I think I would be happier if there were more people emboldened by what I just said to speak up, because I feel like I would like to see more reasoned uh, uh, debate about Star Trek Discovery beyond just this is SJW trash, which it is not. <laughs> okay. okay, that part we're cutting out. All right. <laughs> Please go. cut that out. Let's go. I would, yeah, just cut out everything I said after what you started talking. Let's go to my number four pick. And I have got my five words and a hashtag. So much respect for you. Hashtag trip rises from the dead. And this is trip revealing that the observers are Organians on Star Trek Enterprise observer effect. I love this moment. It absolutely floored me. Totally chill-inducing when – this episode's so great because there's this crazy mystery through the whole thing. It's really well-directed. It's really well-paced. I don't usually like Alien Takeover episodes, but in this one, the mystery was really intriguing. It was really smartly done. And then at the end – this is written by Mike Sussman, who's one of my favorite Trek scribes when they reveal that these aliens are Organians and they're just observing and, they're, and, the, and the whole uh, – answer to the mystery i was floored i love that moment and absolutely connected to a to a piece of trek that that is one of my favorites errand of mercy it's just so clever i was just i just i love how much respect they they paid to tos in that and the way it the way it fits into it uh was fantastic and i said mike sussman it's not mike sussman sorry he's he wrote another episode that i might be talking about later it was uh Judith and Garfield Reed Stevens, who wrote this episode. So, all right, uh, Observer Effect, Adam. Good app. I mean, uh, not one that I know uh, terribly well. I've only seen it probably a handful of times, but uh, you know, man, I, I do really like that fourth season a lot, as as pretty much everyone does, and I do like those three episode arcs. I kind of wish there were a handful, you know. We do get a handful of uh, of single ups in there. I, you know, I wish they were more like this and less like uh, Daedalus. You know, which is kind of rough. But, I think uh, Daedalus is right before this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, 
I would have liked more one-off continuity pieces like this in between those arcs because you know, you know, another thing I, I would like, I would like my peanut butter to be a little bit creamier and better. You know, it's like, I would like this great thing to be even better. It's just, you know, a little bit picky thing is like just thinking about it now. Cause I, I don't have too much to say specifically about the episode, but I do like what it represented in that season. Yeah. Well, that, that is true. It was a great standalone, uh, one that connected the way the arcs connected yeah. too. And I'll just remind everybody that this moment comes when they think Trip and Hoshi are dead, and basically uh, all of a sudden Trip just sits up and says, I have so much respect for you, Captain Archer. I mean, it's like, if you're Captain Archer, you're like, what the hell is going on? It's awesome. I love that moment. should have done that in uh, Beast of the Voyages, too. All right, let's go to the soup round, round three. What do you got, Adam? Soup alert. Soup alert. Round three, uh, this is uh, another iconic moment from one of uh, our favorite captains. Five words and a hashtag, the dreamer and the dream, hashtag, it's real. I'm talking far beyond the stars, baby. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just, this is uh, the opposite, in a way, of the performance he gives in uh, 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 Pale Moonlight, excuse me where that's so restrained and coiled and it's all about the interior of, of, of you know, what, what Cisco has been building mentally and emotionally for the last six years. And you're watching how he dissects that and compartmentalizes and just like houses himself. And that's, that's, that's one facet of this incredible performer's work. And then on the, the opposite end of it, you just have, uh, him just pouring every ounce of emotion on onto the screen. And uh, it, it's amazing to hear the other actors talk about that in interviews. Cause you can even see it too. It's, it's the kind of thing where if you watch that scene a bunch of times, you start watching the other people around him, just watching it. They just like in awe of greatness. And uh, it's what's again, what's left to be said that hasn't already been said about just an iconic piece of television. And it's amazing that Avery Brooks directed that, yeah. directed it, and then puts that kind of performance in. It's such a staggering moment, and for sure, chill-inducing, uh, iconic. I love the, that it bookends your other pick too. It's like yeah. the exact opposite. Yeah. Whereas that he like he raises a glass, but this one it ends with him literally on the floor, just. You know, mobile, yeah. unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable performance. An important episode of Trek. Love it. All right, my number three, five words and a hashtag, super round pick. Tried so hard to understand, hashtag, the Mintakan leader, and it's Nuria who can't quite grasp it all, but, but Picard is so impressed anyway, and who watches the Watchers. Mm-hmm. And I love this exchange between these two great leaders and this moment where she's trying to understand what he's showing her because he doesn't want her to think that he's a god and to follow some ridiculous doctrine. And the entire exchange is just so amazing. But the chills for me come when at the end she's still this wise leader and she, ba- and she basically says, well, I'm going to play it for you right now. You see... My people once lived in caves, and we then learned to build huts and in time to build ships like this one.
Perhaps one day my people will travel above the skies. Of that I have absolutely no doubt. Yeah, so when Picard says that I have absolutely no doubt, it's just staggering to me. So great. I, I love it. And, and then like a minute later, she's basically saying, again, because she can't grasp it all, she's basically saying, Okay, and uh, we had a bunch of villagers die in the in the crop flood last year. Can you bring them back to us? And he's realizing that he can't quite get it there. Brilliant scene, chill-inducing, one of my favorites. Adam. Oh, what an app. Great app. This is one of those apps that's like... I'm, sh- I, I'm sure other Star Trek fans have this where you just like, I just want to watch a classic, straight-down-the-middle Star Trek. I don't know what the vibe is, but I just want something that's just going to give me that Star Trek flavor. This is one of those apps for me. It just gives you all, you know, the morality, the character, the act. I mean, Pamela Adlon, Bobby Hill himself, in one of her earliest performances. I love Pamela Adlon. I love King of the Hill, Bobby Hill. But uh, she's great. Ray Wise. I mean, what is Ray Wise? Never not. It's just impeccable. There's the, and then uh, what's the name of the actor? Who plays the um, Nuria? Yeah, uh, Catherine Lee Scott. What a great uh, just so between good. the three of them! Like, what a great guest cast for this one episode. You get great location work. Yeah. You get uh, Vasquez Rocks. You get the, their village. You get Troy and Riker in those costumes. This is a, a real meal of an episode. And like you said, classic Trek morality play. It's perfect. It just has that classic feeling. This yeah. is a yeah. Uh, what, what's do you know offhand what this is in your Trek ranks for TV? Like number six, I think. Yeah, this seven, is, six or seven. It is a top ten app for sure. Yeah, it's it's all killer time. app. All great, time great, great pick. I wouldn't have thought of this. Yeah. Ha- hashtag doctrine sucks. Yeah, that's a, big, right. that's a big hashtag for it. I know that. Let's yeah. go to round two. Adam, what's your number two pick? All right. These, now, these, for me, my top two are, these are exciting to me because these are just like instant chill inducing. I could put this on any time of the day and just get those goose, pure goosebumps. Five words and a hashtag, the best autograph op ever. Hashtag signing off. It is the signatures at the end of Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. Love it. That is so. That's a fantastic pick. So chill-inducing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I remember being in the theater when that happened. Woo! Wow. Oh, I, I could... Oh. Yeah, that's well, I'm just talking about it right yeah, now. Look at, these, look at, oh look at that God. hair Goosebumps. on my arm. Goosebumps. Oh, my God. It's, uh, it's so good. And then just, like, everything leading up to it from the point of, like, Sulu giving the sign-off and then that slow pull-out of the rest of them on the bridge looking right down the barrel of the lens... Enterprise going into the sun, the, the music swells, and then bam, you get that first signature. Yeah. They knew what they were doing, man. That's so, that is so good. Yeah, it really was brilliant. And the fact that that was the end for the entire crew. Yeah. And I forget, you know, who said it. I think it was one of the producers, maybe, but whoever said, it, like, this, this is the best uh, photo, uh, autograph fan could ask for. And I was like, it really is. It's really great. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. That is, and I love that. That is a little fourth wall breaking. Yes, cool. It's in. It's part of the the series, but it's that the production side. It's awesome. Great pick. Fantastic. All right, my round two pick. Five words and a hashtag. A fair chance from Picard. Hashtag. Cito Jaxa lives. 
And it is Picard revealing to Cito that he's the one that asked her to be on the Enterprise to make sure she got a fair shot. And this is my one that brings me to tears. I try to stay away from some of these emotional ones, but for me, this is a perfect episode of Trek. By the way, it's Lower Deck, sorry, Lower Deck Season 7. Not, of, uh, and not Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> right, yeah, the original, the OG Lower Decks, not the upcoming new animated series Lower Decks. Which I'm very excited for. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps. It's it. There's like three scenes where they, they interact. One where he walks by her in the corridor and he kind of gives her a side eye. And if you're a super diehard Trekkie, you're seeing this character. And I love the fact that they don't tell you that you're seeing a character from the first duty and this cover-up of this previous episode two years before, they make you figure it out. And then the he leaves the room, and he tells her to walk with him, and he brings her to the ready room, and he totally dresses her down and says, how did you get on my ship? You shouldn't be here. I'm very sorry that it was so difficult for you. I mean, it's just, that was staggering and chill-inducing. And then after Worf challenges her with the geek tall to learn to not be tested unfairly or challenged unfairly, she goes and stands up to him and he says, when he tells her that it was him that brought her on board and requested her to be there so that she could get a fair shot. Was, oh my God. That's uh, can't believe this isn't my number one. What the hell's my number one? This is crazy. It's such a great moment. That's good stuff. That's the, that's the good stuff, man. You know, lower decks, I feel like that, that's one of the uh, unsung gems of uh, of late TNG because it really shows the influence of like how people have responded to that over the years. You can see Tilly. You can see it in the fact that they're doing an animated show called Lower Decks about the Lower Decks concept. It's, so true. It really has legs, and I think it's it's a great concept executed perfectly. That actor is phenomenal. All the actors who play the uh, the Lower Decks characters. I mean, they did this episode twice in Voyager. Uh, Good Shepherd and... Uh, yeah. It was the first season one. Uh, uh, Learning Shepherd, Curve. Learning Curve. Learning yeah, they literally, they remade this episode several times because it's that good. And they're all great. And DS9 did it with Valiant. Which, yes. Uh, which also connects to Red Squad and uh, with the Academy. So. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they really... I think they knew they really hit on something good here, and then they just sort of started to unpack that concept over the next two decades of Trek, and it's yeah. uh, it's a great, great moment. Great yeah, day. I made the connection there because I like that this episode has one character from that cover-up from the first duty, and Valiant has one character in it who was part of the Red Squad uh, cover-up from uh, Paradise Lost and yeah. Homefront. It's so, it's really great, good. It's great yeah, stuff. It, re- it really is good when uh, you can get the feeling of. You know, you could say, oh, sure, Kirk was in the Academy eight years ago or, you know, whatever he was in the Academy. But then you could see someone, you know, a couple seasons later actually in a different facet of Starfleet than you saw them originally. That's good. That's yeah, really good. Cool. By the way, my headcanon, 100%, Cedo Jaxa is still alive somewhere. No doubt. By the way, and the actress is Shannon Phil. I looked her up before this. She really stopped acting within a couple of years after that. It's a bummer. She was really, really good in that. Okay, round one, top five, chill-inducing moments. Adam, what's your pick? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say this is this might be the most unconventional Trek Ranks pick to date. Okay, that's saying something. We've had a few. It is the very first teaser for Star Trek 2009, the teaser trailer. Oh, yeah. 
Five words in a hashtag, one small step for a man, hashtag under construction. So this is the welding guy. Yes. I'm getting chills just thinking about Yes! It is so good! Oh my god, it's so good! I'm getting chills just thinking about it. The the welder guy was amazing. It was so cool. The eyes of the world now look into space. Listen, I was not a Star Trek fan when this came out. I didn't see this trailer until well after it. That's right. Uh, This was your first Trek, basically. You know, I saw this in the theaters, and it, it was like, fine, this is a summer movie, whatever. And then I became a Star Trek fan. You know, you go back to my first Trek rank so you can get the quick download if you don't know it already. But um, when I saw this trailer, I was like, this is just unbelievable. And then, you know, this remember, this came at a period of time when J.J. Abrams would design his trailers prior to the film being shot. He did this uh, with Cloverfield and then incorporated that footage into the film. He did it with uh, Star Trek here, and then he did it again with Super 8, and then uh, this is just a, a miraculous piece of film marketing. It's brilliant. It plays really well to the fans. The way it builds with, you know, the uh, uh, um, archive um, uh, stuff with JFK giving speeches, and then you hear uh, Leonard Nimoy say, Space, the final frontier, and you see it come up. Like, are you kidding me? Brilliant. You go to the comments of the YouTube it is nonstop. I have goosebumps. This gave me chills. Like, this is how you do a trailer. And they're all 100% right. So, you know, I got to give a shout out to J.J. Uh, Abrams and his team. I got to give a big shout out to uh, uh, Martin Kistler and his team at Ignition Creative, who are the ones who edited this trailer and put it together. So uh, just brilliant and uh, 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 iconic. Uh, what's left to be said. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that was a great, I mean, I was a huge J.J. Abrams fan before he took over Star Trek, and I'm obviously a lifelong Trekkie. I loved Alias, I loved Felicity, I loved uh, the beginning of Lost that was, you know, J.J. inspired. And when they announced that he was taking over Trek, I was super excited. I thought, I knew he would do it right, and this teaser trailer uh, set the table. So well done. It, you know how good it is, is that the welding guy was doing conventions. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and uh, it doesn't say Star Trek in the trailer. It shows you the Delta, and then it says under construction. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I wouldn't have remembered that. It doesn't actually say Star Trek. Uh, it's... And now listen, I have to acknowledge this because what would Trek ranks be without a, a real dive into the minutia? I know this is a point of contention for a lot of uh, fans. Uh, one of whom was vocal about it was uh, the director of a con fan film that never got made. But a lot of fans are of the belief that this is stupid and this shouldn't exist because the Enterprise design 
indicates that it should be made in space. Oh, God, no. That's ridiculous. And I will, listen, as someone who loves to argue about dumb Star Trek minutia, I will say this. On one hand, sure, you're right. You can look at the technical manual and you can look at the struts and the nacelles and sure, it was designed to be made in space. On the other hand, you're wrong because it is a massively effective image in the teaser and in the film where he's on the bike looking at the building of the Enterprise. And it's amazing. It's so cool. It's pure goosebump bait. It's chill inducing. It's number one. How could it not be? Yeah, I never cared about that. That it's a dumb. It's a dumb it was, line. It was, it's just something to argue about. It was amazing that that's what people were focused on. Yeah, and you can cut out the con fan film thing. I don't want to be too incendiary, but that guy. No, that guy's the worst. And I will. Say, it also teased that it was opening in two thousand eight, right? Because this yeah. is before they extended uh, it to two thousand. I think it's just really under construction. I don't even know if they had a date on it. We'll have to pull it up because I want to watch it again. Just, I want to watch it again. Just talking about it. I've watched this thing a dozen times in preparation for this, and I get goosebumps every single time. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go to my number one pick to close it out. Five words and a hashtag, and the, this will give it away immediately. The name's Bell. Gabriel Bell, hashtag, and I don't like your hat. <laughs> so you know it, it's Cisco assuming Gabriel Bell's identity in the classic DS9 episode, Past Tense, which is my number one and number two episodes of DS9 at Trek Ranks in the Pale Blue Lights, number three, by the way. So the top three from DS9 mentioned yeah. here. And it's an all-time great Trek moment. I mean, it's just an amazing buildup throughout the entire episode with a uh, great story, you know, it's a two-parter, uh, everything's happening, and you see Gabriel Bell die, but you don't quite connect the dots, you're not, you're not thinking in those terms, and then at the end, when you realize that Cisco steps up and the riot's happening around them, and he introduces himself as Gabriel Bell, it's an all-time iconic Trek moment for me, and... Cisco could not deliver it any more powerfully. So we have three Cisco. We'll get to stats in a second. But, yeah, amazing. Uh, what's your take on that one, Adam? It's so epic. It's a great pick. I know it's your huge fan of this app, and I agree with you. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it. I didn't mention it when I, I brought up In the Pale Moonlight earlier. But both In the Pale Moonlight and um, uh, Past Tense, I've only seen – I can count on a handful uh, on one hand. You know, it, I, I don't rewatch these episodes as much because I feel they're so potent and – they're so strong. I don't want to dilute how intense they are in my mind. It's just like I want to save it for a special occasion when I want to feel that vibe, you know? I do that as well in my in my rewatches. There's certain episodes I try to savor and not rewatch as much as I watch Trek over and over. That's what and wine collectors do. do. You know, wine, right. <laughs> wine fans love to drink wine, but then they have those bottles. And I'm like, no, I pull that out at a special occasion, yeah, you know? I love it. <laughs> All right, let's jump into some secondary system picks here, Adam. What uh, what just missed your list? You know, it's it's funny. The two that I, I left off my list were also ones that came at the season finales because I, I wanted the the signature, the photo op to be the, the autograph op to be my season finale pick, as it were. But a big one that really was five A. You know, could have swapped out for any of these really. Uh, Jake and Kira looking out the porthole at the end of DS9. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. And I think he, of that. She just puts her, her, her oh, hand on his shoulder. Chills. Oh, my God. Got chills. Got oh. chills. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's an awesome one. And then another one in a similar vein um, from Endgame, uh, Voyager, is when uh, um, Janeway goes to visit. Two- that was the same 
like I'm sitting here like cringing. Don't say too much. He has Vulcan Uh, dementia. It's so sad. That should be on my top five. I can't. I forgot about that one, and it's one of my favorite moments. That breaks my heart. It's it's why Endgame is a fantastic finale. You can say whatever you want about Janeway coming back and her choices, and that scene makes it a winner. Agreed, hundred percent. Oh my god, so perfect, perfect, and Tim Russ in that scene, amazing. I got chills. All right, I'm going to rattle off just a few. My toughest cut, which I teased earlier, it was In a Mirror Darkly, where we saw that first contact thing. Second. And for me, it was that moment, and I've talked about it before, where they revealed that the Defiant from from uh, the Holian Web is uh, is this ship that they're tracking. And you don't know if this episode is a – is it a prequel to – Mirror, mirror, or is it a sequel to the Tholian Web? It's actually both. It's a genius, genius piece of writing by Mike Sussman. My other toughest cut was uh, Picard at the end of Darvok when he gets up on the bridge and he communicates to the other aliens in the Temerian language, and, and everyone understands. And you're just sitting there watching. I mean, remember, just take yourself back to the first time you saw that, and you're not worried about the minutia of metaphors and how it maybe makes sense or doesn't make sense. And Picard speaking in this other language, and you understand exactly what he's saying. It's genius. Uh, all right, my other secondary system, I had Riker saying fire at the end of Best of Both Worlds, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Spock saying Jim. Your uh, name's Jim yeah, yeah. at the end of uh, Search for Spock. I also had The Birth of Kirk, which I didn't pick. It's too emotional, but obviously it's a chill-inducing moment, but it's also just it's the yeah. most uh, ugly cry kind of moment. Yeah, I don't think enough can be said about that uh, opening. That's a great sh- short film in and of itself, uh, that it's, opening to 2009. It's arguably the 10 best minutes of Star Trek ever. It's You can make that argument. And it's pretty great. Staggering. All right, and then my special shout-out to 8-year-old Jimmy watching TOS on syndication when that Horda engraves no kill eye in the rock, oh boy. that was chill inducing for me. It was amazing. And I always just remember thinking, is he saying, I won't kill you or don't kill me? I don't know. It's amazing. They're communicating. Oh, it's so great. Fantastic. So many chill inducing moments in Trek. But now we need to move on to our regeneration cycle and start winding this episode down. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. All right, so let's do a quick recap of our choices just as a, as a catch-up. So, Adam, what, what were your top five? Number five, Cisco at the end of In the Pale Moonlight. Number four, uh, Saru in The Brightest Star. I feel like the movie phone guy for, <laughs> for Saru. Press five now. <laughs> Uh, number three, uh, it is uh, Ben Sisko's Meltdown in Far Beyond Stars. And number two, it is the signatures at the end of The Undiscovered Country. Number one is the 2009 Star Trek teaser trailer. Fantastic list. Two fourth wall breaking ones there, actually. We picked back and did the trailer as well. Yeah. Right, and you also had, you spread it around, you had two from Deep Space Nine, one from Discovery, one from TOS, and one from the Kelvin Timeline. 
All right. I had my number five was TNG First Contact, the film when the Vulcans were revealed for First Contact. My number four was Observer Effect from Enterprise, where Trip reveals that they're Organians. I had my number three, Who Watches the Watchers, where Picard and Nuria are having their their discussion in the observation deck. Number two, Lower Decks, when Picard tells Sito that he's the reason she's on board the Enterprise. And my number one, Gabriel Bell as Benjamin Sisko. Strike that, reverse it. But Deep Space Nine, past tense, unbelievable list. So I had two from TNG. No, three from TNG. Wow. One from Enterprise and one from DS9. And like I said, a little tease there, we had three Cisco moments in our 10 picks. That's pretty fantastic. Uh, Cisco is is the man. (laughs) He'll He'll give you every emotion under the sun. Of course he will. All right. Awesome topic. Great discussion. As we do every week, we once again entered a temporal causality loop. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop. And I suspect that something similar may have happened to you. This week, we're jumping back to episode 45 and our top five weirdest characters, which is our celebration of the weird and the normal and everything in between. So as always, I'm just going to quickly highlight some of my favorite submissions that we got from our listeners. From our friend here at the Tricorder Transmission, we got an awesome list from Jamie McGregor down on the Australia sector. He is at jmac underscore ref on Twitter, and he included three classic deep cuts on his list. So I'm going to read those off. He had Dr. Severin from The Way to Eden, which I love that pick. He had the freaky Onaya from The Muse in a terrible episode of DF9 by the same name, The Muse. And probably my favorite overall submission this week, he had Data as Masaka. Masaka is waking from Mass. Brilliant pick. That's that's a top five episode. (laughs) That's right. Drozen loves Mask. Uh, Another awesome deep cut came in from Chris at Shelf Nerds on Twitter. And he chose uh, Tam Elbrun from TNG's Tin Man. I love that pick because yeah. that guy is weird. Heather Kirby, who is at NerdyGow33, chose Mihana Ikahali Kapo from the Discovery Short Runaway. We love that pick. And yes, I could have just shortened her name and said Poe. But hey, at Trek Ranks, we go the whole distance. And her full name is Mihani Ikahali Kapo. Love that. She's an awesome character, and I, I really enjoyed Runaway. Some people didn't like it as much, but I, I enjoyed it. All right, and one final list came in from Catherine Robinson, who was at The Sorceress on Twitter. This is the first time we've done that. She was actually on the show with us, but she submitted another list because she wanted to do her weird with a beard list. And I love that because she sent over pictures of uh, Mirror Spock, obviously, no, no brainer, but also Disco Bones from the motion picture. Data experimenting with a beard and the schizoid man. That's great. Old man Picard with a beard and all good things. Something we might see again in the Picard series. Who knows? And Malcolm Reed also with a beard in the mirror universe. So it was a great list that, that she sent over after uh, after recording our top five weirdest characters. They better go to the vineyard in that Picard series. <laughs> if they don't go to the vineyard, 
Don't get me started. We don't do predictions. That's right. They can go wherever they want. They can <laughs> exactly. do whatever they want. I would like to see the bigger. I'd like to see All a bottle right. of wine at some point in the show. I just can't wait for them to tell me the story that they want to tell. That's it. That's it. All right. So keep those lists coming to me at Trek Ranks. We can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you as well. So please put together your own list of top five chill-inducing moments and give us a call here. We want to hear your list. Call us at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 at 609-512-LLAP. And listen, I hope, really hope we get some calls and get some additional lists recorded this week because we only had two of us here on tonight's show. And I know there's so many other great chill-inducing moments out there. So I'm going to challenge you guys. Really love to hear from you. So give us a call. 609-512-LLAP. And let's hear your list. And with that in mind, let's keep this temporal causality loop going with an amazing incoming transmission from Fleet Admiral Scott Madison, who is at Fleet Admiral UFP on Twitter. He sent us an amazing voicemail that I want to play for you guys now. And this is probably a good time to also apologize for last week's Mirror Universe incursion that resulted in us distributing an episode from uh, the Mirror Universe. We're very sorry about that. Everyone on that show should be very ashamed of themselves. It was it was terrible. Anyway, here is Scott's amazing list, which also came in from the Mirror Universe to celebrate episode 47 of Trek Ranks. And it's fantastic. Hello, Jim. I'm Scott Madison, transmitting on Twitter as Fleet Admiral UFP, and I've compiled my list of top five things I just can't get over in hopes of possibly making it onto Trek ranks someday. I would love to be on the show. Set the timer for three minutes. Let's see if I can get through these in time. Number five, five words and a hashtag. You have a terrible memory. Hashtag beard respect. When Deanna Troy says that she has never kissed Riker with a beard before, Star Trek Insurrection, that is objectively false. Number four, five words and a hashtag. You thought we wouldn't notice? Hashtag Deja Boom. The recycled footage of the exploding bird of prey from Star Trek VI and Star Trek Generations. That shot was too good, too memorable to use it twice. Spend some money, do it again. Number three, the soup round. What would your mother think? Hashtag growth spurt. Do the math, look at the timeline. Alexander Roshenko joins the Klingon Defense Forces before his 10th birthday. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He's too young to war. He's too young to war. Number two. Do you even warrior, bro? Hashtag fold like a napkin. Every great warrior race that we have seen falls way too easily in hand-to-hand combat. The Klingons, the Jem'Hadar, they are the premier warriors of their quadrants. A Bajoran, half their size, should not be able to take them down hand-to-hand. That's my opinion, at least. Number one, he could have been a contender. Hashtag missed opportunity. Picture it. The first season of the Picard series. Season finale. The conflict has been resolved. Picard receives a classified transmission from an unknown source. It simply says... Vagra 2 has been compromised. Armis has escaped. 
Now, visually, he may not have had the best design, but there was so much potential to be explored with the character of Armis. Who were the titans that cast him off? How long has he been there? Uh, Could he be descended from ancient changelings, or perhaps the Dowd, like Kevin Uxbridge? If handled properly, he could have returned to be an amazing villain, with great, great potential for return. Uh oh, it, it seems that we have some uh, subspouse communications traffic coming in. Oh, one, one last uh, secondary systems entry. <gasps> no! No! The death of Jadzia Dax. Yeah, my wife stills in over that one, apparently. All right, Jim, thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you enjoyed this list. I hope it's not too long. And I hope that one day. I might be able to join you on Trek Ranks. I love it to death. I'm listening to every episode. Keep it up. Thanks very much. No, not by Jadzia. Gut punch. Jadzia's death is also a pretty damn good chill-inducing moment, no doubt. And as you might have guessed, yes, 100% confirmation that Scott Madison will be appearing on Trek Ranks soon. It's that easy, folks. Send us your list. Call us, 609-512-LLAP. Send us your list, and you can be on Trek Ranks, too. All right, so hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we're doing our top five courtroom showdowns. That's right. I've been. This is another one that's been on my long list for a while to do this kind of, you know, every once in a while, Trek it's a it's a kind of show that can tell a bunch of different types of stories and a lot of courtroom dramas. So Adam, it's going to be Law and Order time on Trek Rex next week. So what's jumping out at you? Dun, dun. Um, you might include on your top five courtroom showdowns. So many good ones. I mean, take your time. I like you know I like I was going to say. Farpoint, but then I thought of Q in Death Wish, and I like that courtroom a little bit more. I think that's an interesting one. You just rattled off two great ones, and and when you say Farpoint, you have to include all good things too. Yeah, well, so, that's like six great. to one half does the other, and then I yeah. love if not necessarily the episode. I I love the costume. I want to play the cosplay of the girl from Court Martial. Where she's got that weird blue sailor outfit. You know what I'm talking about? Jamie, yeah. She's named after Kirk, right? That is <laughs> the dopest outfit. And you will see me in that at an STLB <laughs> at some point in the future. Uh, spectacular. That's, those are all awesome picks and all eligible for our courtroom showdowns that we'll be doing in episode 49. All right. So before we wrap it up here, a huge thanks to Mr. Adam Drozen, who continues to single-handedly redefine Cool Trek. We love this guy. Thanks, Adam. Any uh, any final Trek thoughts before we uh, before we end the show? Hey, live long and something or other. Thanks again for engaging with us here on episode forty eight of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. All right, I've waited a long time for this, and I know I won't be disappointed. Ain't that right, new boy? The name is Bell. Gabriel Bell.
Hi there. Thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5yearmission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's trekgeeks.com and 5yearmission.net. Check them out today. I didn't ask you here because I was assessing your qualifications for the ops position. I don't understand, sir. I was harsh with you because I wanted to assess you for a very important mission. A mission that could put you in a situation that would be far more unnerving than a dressing down by your commanding officer. Can I ask what that mission is, sir? Join the senior officers in the observation lounge at 0900 hours. We'll discuss it then. Yes, sir. And Ensign, I do know why you ended up on the Enterprise. I asked for you. I wanted to make sure that you got a fair chance to redeem yourself. Thank you, sir.